Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Mission Daily. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, and I'm joined by my co-host, Albert Chow. Albert, how's it? Listen, I've had better days. Had to, had a bit of bad news this week. And uh, yep. I mean, not bad For news. For once, like, it's you. Yeah, For not once like it's personally you. bad. It's like yep. more money bad. But yeah, I got some bad news this week. <laughs> yeah, so I actually was hoping that's what we can talk about today on this podcast because I know how you love to get personal and give all your personal details away. That's a joke. You don't normally <laughs> like to get too personal. But I wanted to talk about what happened to you because I think actually a lot of people could learn interesting lessons through your example of what happened to you. Um, so maybe give a high level of like what you're going through right now and I'll tell you where I want to kind of weave this. Yeah, no problem. Into. So I historically d don't withhold much uh, for taxes. So when you, for example, when you get hired, you can say how much withholding uh, you want or you can ask for exception clauses. So it's not, it is not a crime or it's not a, it's not a problem at all to, with, to ask to keep more of your salary versus paying taxes. But what happens at the end of the year is it gets trued up anyways, right? Mm -hmm. So the IRS knows how much money you made and they're going to have a, what they think is your tax assessment. And of course, your accountant or you yourself, most people go with an accountant. I, I think it's worth it. <laughs> we'll have to do it. And then they'll come together and say, hey, this matches. This is how much tax you owe and so on. So my accountant did my, so again, I, I claim more withholdings normally so that I have a bigger paycheck and I decide I will pay the taxes at the end. Why did you, why do you choose that for anyone? Because I feel like a lot of people, they don't think too much about withholdings. I mean, I even think about myself when I started working at Google back in the day, I just select the number. They're like zero, most people like zero. Yeah, or I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. And I didn't really understand it too well. So I just did whatever someone told me to do. So why do you, like, what, what are you selecting and why? So I take all the allotments that are afforded to me, right? So you can like enter one if you have a dependent, enter, you know, enter one for every dependent that you have, enter one if you're the head of household. You're only the head of household if uh, your spouse doesn't work. Um, mm -hmm. There's a, there's a lot of different items that they'll afford you. And the idea is that if you were to claim taxes and all of these things would be true at the end of the year, then you would, um, then you've already paid your share, uh, possibly even, you, you might've actually paid too much and then you hear some people get a, a refund. Mm -hmm. So the benefit is of course, you have more cash flow in the calendar year to do the things that you're most interested in. So if you wanna make real estate investments, if you wanna buy Bitcoin, if you want to go on a trip, you're afforded more cash per paycheck for yourself to do that. But it doesn't stay there. At the end of the year, you also have to have a cash surplus of some sort to account for potentially how much you owe extra, right? And so like my life's pretty simple. I actually, even with all the stuff that I do, the standard deduction is still higher than what, <laughs> than, than my deductible expenses. So I just take mm -hmm. a standard deduction. It's not hard to figure out. And then there's a, there's a balance of whatever you owe. You earlier, I know, said, like, I'm not going to give a loan to the government, which I think a lot of people kind of forget. Well, that's what it is. Select yeah. It, yeah. It becomes so you're basically basically I don't like saying that word. If you choose to withhold zero, which most people do and they're saying, hey, I'm going to pay everything I can to to out of, I'm going to take the taxes out of my paycheck. And at the end of the year, I will uh, possibly get a refund. What you are effectively doing is providing a loan. Uh, to someone else. Uh, so you're getting paid nothing for it. And which is your, your choice. Or you can say, hey, I'm going to take that and I'm going to make an investment. I'm going to 
go more aggressively towards a cash flowing asset, small business, piece of real estate. Maybe you want to invest in stocks. It doesn't matter what you want to invest in, but you're just taking the cash flow that you have and putting it away. So like a good example would be like, you could take all the exceptions you want. And right now, um, some of the banks are offering high interest savings rates. And this is a short time period where this is going to be available. So some banks I've seen as high as a 5.18, um, you mm-hmm. might've seen bigger. 5.18 is the biggest one I stuck it stood out in my mind. So you could effectively say, okay, normally my taxes are, let's say, um, 200 per thousand, right? So normally they take out at least $200 per thousand I spend. Well, I'm, I'm going to keep the 200 and I'm going to put it in a high interest savings account. And at the end of the year, I'll have enough cash in there to cover uh, my tax bill. Plus I'll have a little bit extra for interest. Now on a, num- on a scale of 200, people might be hearing them like that's not a lot of money. It's like, well, it becomes a lot of money if you make more, right? So if mm-hmm. you're making $5,000, it's a thousand bucks. Yep. Like five thousand a month. You're just a thousand. So that's sixty thousand dollars a year wage. I think there's a lot of listeners that are there, right? Mm-hmm. That's a thousand yep. extra a month. All right. If you're making ten grand a month, it, it just keeps getting bigger. It's two thousand dollars a month that you can do something with. If you're at fifteen thousand, twenty thousand a month of income, which some people are, they're listening to the show, possibly higher, but two, so that's a two hundred forty thousand dollar a year job. I mean, it, this is a, it, and now you're talking about a pretty substantial number, right? It's $4,000 a month. You're actually just 10 months away from acquiring a piece of real estate, putting the down payment on. You, most times it's like a, you have to put 20% down on your second real estate property. So you can buy a $200,000 piece of real estate with your $40,000. And if you do my model, you'll be cash flowing right away in the very first month. And if you've, you'll, of course you'll have the tax bill. People be like, well, wait a second. You're probably going to have to owe 40 grand in taxes. Like, yeah, you will. Right. So you could then do, a, there's a couple different ways to get the money out, but that's the idea is I, I I'll just say, yeah, make money with your money. Don't just give it away. Put it in something. It can I leverage be, I the, every dollar that is owed to me while yeah. I can have it before I pay the government. It's just that this year, my bill was way higher than I expected. Yeah. So what was your bill? <laughs> What was your bill this year? Um, well, I prepaid. Gulp. <laughs> yeah. So I did. So if everyone that's listening, my my mom did pass away last year and it was in, in uh, it's, it's a traditional IRA and it's an inherited traditional IRA. For the, anyone who's ever inherited a traditional IRA, it's actually quite limited. You can't sell and trade within it. Like it's, that's it. What's in there is what's in there. So you can liquidate the funds. You can withdraw the funds, but you cannot take it and like start trading and and stuff like that. So I had withholdings there. Um, I'll say it was it it was over eighty. I paid in withholdings, and then now I still owe the IRS because of all the combined income ninety. So I owe another ninety on top of the 80 plus I've already paid. So you paid 80 plus when she passed, you paid 80 plus on that or 80 plus, $80,000 yeah, on it was other just, taxes? It was, yeah, I paid taxes. I paid 80,000 of taxes right then and there. Okay, and now I you owe still owe 90,000. 90, yeah, so our tax bill this year is like almost 200,000. We've already prepaid and over a hundred of it. 
Okay, and then the sticky situation is you don't have the money. <laughs> I don't have cash to cover. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think that for anyone listening who's like, oh, I don't care about taxes. What's interesting to me about this conversation is that it's not just about taxes. It's how people react when a big bill comes. And what I like about what you do is you have this very strategic, from what I can tell, you don't panic approach. It's just like, okay, what is it like? What are all the pieces on the board? What levers can I pull? And there's so many areas, I think, getting any kind of bills, taxes, uh, property taxes. I know you and I have talked a lot about that, how a lot of people oh, yeah, pay every month tax. instead Ooh, of waiting. Property yeah. tax, bro, whoa. That's... And you know they suck here in Austin. So Yeah, Texas. Uh, yeah, when you have no income tax, that means you're high property taxes. That yeah. stays true for every state that does that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, what, what I find interesting is just how you kind of lay things out and so you put a post on LinkedIn and you were like, here's yeah. some options that I'm thinking about. And my first thought was most people would not be thinking about these options. When someone gets a big bill, at least from people that I'm around, it's a quick panic period. It's a quick like, oh, I just got to get it off my plate. I better just pay it. I better like figure it out right away instead of taking a step back and being like, what are all the things that are accessible to me right now? So yeah, that's well, what I want. I want to hear how you think about this. The true intention. So I had mixed intentions when I posted that because I kind of had an inkling of what I was going to do anyways, but I did want to Oh, I already hear, thought that. I already uh, thought that you probably had an answer. <laughs> I, I did want to see what other people thought. Um, and I also kind of wanted, I kind of wanted the finance bros of the world to chime in because they always give advice on TikTok that's just total nonsense. Yeah. Uh, investors of TikTok <laughs> is one of my favorite follows. It just makes me feel so good about my life and also feels bad for other people in their lives because <laughs> if you're following these finance finance bros, listening to what they say mm -hmm. and buying their courses, you could be in trouble. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you could be. <laughs> yep. I mean, yep. you're definitely out 4,000, whatever they're charging. Um, um, you're definitely out without like good information. I think that's mm -hmm. true. But point being was I kind of had an inkling of what I was going to do because so the, the major ways to pay a giant bill for everyone out there. And some of you people won't have assets like this, but let's just put, let's put them out there. Let's assume that some people have, you have, I mean, if you have a giant bill, you probably do. So the first thing is you can sell stock. So if you have stock and equities, you can sell stock. The downside to selling stock is that's a tax event in itself. So for example, if you have, we'll use my $90,000. If I sell $90,000 of stock, some of it will have already achieved long-term capital gains and some of it will have achieved short-term capital gains. Point being is I won't be able to sell stock and pay off the 90 and just call it a day. Then next year I'll owe a percentage More of tax. what I earned. Yep. Yep. So, so let's assume that, um, let's say I made 10, 10 grand difference, right? I put in 80 to acquire $90,000 of stock and it's all long-term. I'll owe, you know, 1500 bucks. Uh, to the IRS, which isn't really that big of a deal, but. Mm -hmm. Yep. So step one, liquidate things, and then just make sure you think about the consequences if you made money on those assets. Yeah. Step one, yep. uh, liquidate something that's highly liquidatable. Uh, so stock is highly liquid. It's highly liquid. It's very easy to sell. Mm -hmm. The next thing is if you have whether your own primary property or a secondary property, you can cash out refi. So a cash out refi is going to be, you're basically going to take the balance of your loan. If you have one outstanding on it and you're going to roll it into a new loan, plus a little bit extra, you cannot cash out. So they're like, there's different, different lenders have different rules, but in general, um, a 60% LT loan to value is going to be your lowest fees and anything higher is going to be higher fees. Anything smaller, the fees make it not worth it. 
uh, most most uh, lenders they'll roll your fees like loan origination fees, which are often like you know one maybe two percent of whatever you're borrowing. Um, they'll roll it in so that you'll just pay interest on that too. <laughs> um, so you basically want to have paid down forty percent of your loan balance if you do a cash out refi. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, there's no room to grow, so you cannot you cannot cash out refi more than eighty um, percent of of um, your property. So, mm-hmm. so most banks won't give you eighty. So if you you know you had a two hundred thousand dollar property, let's assume zero debt, you you could borrow you know one fifty. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, excuse me, a little over one fifty, but one sixty. But if you have only one hundred fifty five thousand dollars of equity, you can only cash out five grand. Which by the time you pay all your fees, you don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Wait, do you mean one hundred fifty-five thousand dollars still on your loan? Like you've only paid down? Yeah, or... if you've only paid one. Okay. If you have yeah. a two hundred thousand dollars house, but you still mm-hmm. have a one hundred fifty thousand dollars loan balance. Yeah. By the time you get a one sixty cash out refi, but the loan fees and stuff will have eaten everything. Like you, mm-hmm. it's a bad move. That's a really bad move. Yeah. Okay. So I cash would. Out refi, you you only... kind of made, you put the words in my mouth, but I think you want to be at least. 60% equity and then that you're borrowing another 20%. That seems, mm-hmm. I mean, without seeing a spreadsheet, that seems like a more reasonable uh, decision. But, yeah. um, you know. But for right now, the rates are so high. Would would you even consider doing a cash out refi, even if you did own enough equity in your house? So you got to model it, right? So that's what I did. So I took, a, I do have a property that I own free and clear. Um, okay. And and so if I, I, I modeled it. And so if I took, took a 60%, if I took a 60% um, loan to value, um, my fees would be the lowest. It was 7.125 was I got quoted for um, interest rate. Mm-hmm. So my monthly payments would be over, it was like 880, 880. It currently does 1400 a month in cash flow to me. Um, so my cash flow would drop from 1400 to, you know, um, like 560 bucks, $559 to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would still be earning cash every month. I would still have this person paying for my loan. And then I would take the balance of that loan to pay my tax bill. That seems like a good option then for you personally. It does. And then uh, the, there's other options. Like there's a HELOCs, uh, Home yep. Equity Lines of Credit. Um, you can borrow against your, certain banks will allow you to borrow against your 401k. Um, so like uh, one of, a former 401k that I was a part of, um, it's now run by Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, Empower. Um, the problem is, is I actually don't have enough in my 401k to, <laughs> to cover this tax bill because <laughs> yeah. I didn't really put that much into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and so, yeah. So okay. that that would be a help, but it wouldn't help completely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Any other options that you considered? I mean, one, can you ever ask the IRS for a payment plan? So Hi, the, hello. Just a little old me here. Yep, <laughs> I'd like yep. a 10-year payment plan. <laughs> so the IRS does offer payment plans. The IRS okay. payment plan right now, interest rate is 7%. So the IRS payment plan is actually better than mm-hmm. a cash out refi in regards to percentages. Um, the IRS payment plan, though, is uh aggressive like they want it paid back in a very small window of time whereas your payment plan for uh your mortgage for example is 30 years the irs payment plans are they're like usually 12 months mm-hmm. so yeah. okay. you know what i mean like you'd be paying so much per month it's like do i have enough cash flow to sustain that and so on and you have to think plus interest. so 
that to me was not a good option either uh, because my payments would just be so high. Got what about credit cards? Like putting it on a credit card with zero APR and then just not pay for a year. Okay, so you you can't do that. So you can't. Oh. IRS does not accept credit card payments. So you could mm. do a balance transfer. Almost every credit card company would offer you a balance transfer. So a balance transfer is typically going to be like a three percent origination fee, one point nine nine percent APR. If you got a promotional rate, you can balance you can balance transfer up to the value of your credit card. Uh, but but I still don't have enough credit card to clear. I mean, credit cards plus mm-hmm. cash, I could clear. But then the then the other challenge becomes you still have to pay that back in now a very compressed window of time. So let's say for example, um, twenty grand. Let's say you have credit cards of sixty grand. They all have the same promotion somehow. So you're going to borrow sixty. You're going to pay thirty in cash, but each month you're probably going to have to pay um, right under six thousand a month in credit card fees, just so you don't get hit with the eighteen percent. That's probably on the other side of twelve months. Okay. All so right. That, well, you know, I'm just shooting out all the options. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but good to know. Okay. Yeah. So well. you model. So what I do is you said like, okay, how do you handle big? I mean, it's it's not a big problem. It's a let's say an expected problem, and maybe it's a little short sighted of me thinking that oh, my all my real estate depreciation will eat up all this income. But the problem is, so I, that's not a problem. So what's was unique to this, which was what I was told, if you're a CPA out there and you've heard different, hit me up. Because I need to know, which is why it's great because I don't actually have to file my taxes till October 16th. That's fully allowed within the law, even though I know the answer right now. Still working on some things, still working on things, but I know the answer now, October 16th. I hear you. Tax bill coming. Um, what I was told is, so like, for example, people talk about cost segs and you can do all kinds of stuff, but traditional, inherited traditional IRA income cannot be deferred with any type of deduction. Hmm. Well, so you got to remember what a traditional IRA was, right? So a person put in their money. So, if you, you know, like let's imagine Stephanie's making, uh, you know, 50 grand a year when she starts and she decides she's going to put in 10% and she's going to put in $5,000 a year. It would lower her tax base from 50 to $45,000. That is how it, so the uh, traditional, so basically my mom, all those years was putting it into this vehicle, which is great, mm-hmm. except she never got to enjoy a second of it because she died early. Um, but she also never paid taxes on it ever. Mm-hmm. And so what the government says is like, wait, if you're going to liquidate that, you owe me no matter what. Like you can't use rental income deductions to deduct the balance on this thing. Yep. I mean, it makes sense. And it definitely makes me question the whole like model of a IRA too. I mean, I do hear so many stories of people building up this big nest egg and then for what? I think a Roth is the better way to go. Roth is I'll yeah. pay taxes now. And then whatever I grow it to, don't talk, don't tax me later. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing. It's also why my mom didn't enjoy that money too, because she kept thinking about, wait a second, I don't need it. Or so, for example, my mom worked in really close till the time she passed. You know, she only stopped working because she had to take care of my grandmother more. Uh, but even then, she was like, you know, she was going to defer her social security, which I think sixty six is like the maximum age. Mm-hmm. Um, Point being is like she really only had like four years of retirement, which wasn't even retirement because she was taking care of my um, my mother in law. Um, excuse me, my um, my grandmother, grandmother. Yeah. or her mother, and so she she never took it out because she knew she would have to pay taxes on it, and she was already she had already earned pension and stuff like that, and so like you add it all up, any, any dollar she takes out would be taxed at a pretty high rate, and so mm-hmm. she was always like, oh, you know, I'll just. Um, I don't know, her, like when I need it, I'll use it. But then she never got a chance to use it because she got sick. 
Does that make you, I mean, I feel like you're already pretty good at enjoying your life and doing the things that you do, but when you watch that, does that, did it kind of make you think differently about, you know, deferring fun or enjoyment or like really just like, you know, focusing on creating a big nest egg of money? Like, did it change your perspective on things when, you know, your mom passed? Yeah, it played a big part because uh, my dad kind of had, a, unfortunately, a similar but even worse fate because my dad died much younger. My dad died 56 mm -hmm. years old and um, he uh, he was notorious for saying no to probably some things that were pretty fun um, mm -hmm. for the purposes of saving, for the purposes of that rainy day. Uh, you know, he, he, But some part of me also sickly thinks that he uh, enjoyed saving. There's people mm -hmm. like that. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, they, yeah. like they get great joy out of getting the deal or they get great joy out of saving, you know, 20 bucks or whatever. Like he was mm -hmm. a gas hunter. And I remember even then telling him like, what is the point? Like it's 3%, no, three cents different per gallon. Mm -hmm. Your tank, even at 20 gallons, congratulations, you saved 60 cents. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Some I'm people going do across enjoy town that. for this. It's a, nickel, that my, it's a nickel lower. It's like, dude. That was my dad too. It's like, I'm going all the way across town to go to Giant for this chicken or whatever because it's on sale by whatever. I'm like, oh, that's not much money to drive that far across town, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, I feel like there's better use of your time than just trying to do that. But um, to the to the question, it um, I, I think I... So like I had to be pulled into this mindset of, that I need to work <laughs> because when I was younger, I didn't want to work. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to surf. I'm just going to ride motorcycles. I'm just going to be a bum. Right. So then work started. Your mom's like, oh, no, you ain't. Get out there, kid. <laughs> <laughs> so then work started, uh, you know, being a bigger part of my life. And then, of course, she got sick and, and she passed away. What what it really thought about to me, what, what mentally changed for me probably during that time and leading into it. Cause I, you know, she was of course diagnosed with uh, cancer before she actually died from it was that I, I kind of started asking like, have I already achieved my goal? And I think once I realized that my life doesn't really get you know, and again, everyone's in a different place and whatever that number is, you know, some people feel comfortable with one. Some people say they'd be happy if they had five. Some people happy won't be happy until they have $10 million or more. Uh, Sam Parr just had an episode. That's one of my first million where he's like, you know, he's met people that are regular people. They think that you've made it when you've got a million. There's millionaires who think it's got to be 10. Then the, he meets mm -hmm. tens who think it's got to be 100. Then the 100 million guy looks at someone that's half a billion. Then the billionaire is looking around and says, I don't have a pro sports team. Then the guy with a mm -hmm. pro sports team says, I didn't start Amazon. You know what I mean? There's always someone yep. above you until you're the top. And then I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. But um, what, what, it, what I really asked myself is what will make like, what do I enjoy? I was very introspective probably during this time period. What do I enjoy? Can I do those things? Do I say yes to enough of those things? And probably, you know, there's a little bit of some of the other financial gurus out there. It's like, I started saying, okay, I'm going to say yes to more of this. Like the things that I really, really enjoy, I'm going to say more of yes to. The things I don't enjoy as much, I'm probably going to say no to a lot more often uh, because I've generated a lifestyle that's... Um, you know, that I can do my yeses. I I can check just about every yes. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I started focusing more on like, uh, how do I earn without my energy? Uh, so that's why I dove into real estate really fast. Mm -hmm. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So many good lessons 
that we just covered. I mean, if I were to like recap everything I just heard, one is don't give your money away to the government. I mean, if you have I don't the financial, yeah, as long as you are, you have the principles to be able to know that you will owe that money. Like yeah, some you, people just, you've you, got to <laughs> hold, you got to make sure you have that money at the end of the year to be able to pay the tax bill. As yeah. long as you're responsible enough to do that, then don't give your money away to the government, whether that be through taxes, whether that be through property taxes, like whatever that bill is that people tell you, oh, it's just easier to do it that way. Like if you're responsible, maybe the easy route actually isn't the best route. So just paying something monthly because someone tells you to do it or having a certain withholding because someone told you that's just a better way so you don't owe tax at the end of the year. Like I think questioning the assumptions that you know people project onto you, I would question those. Because yeah. you can make a lot of money with your own money. So my yeah, my framework was more towards the last part of what you said, which is like I think I'm a better steward of this money right now. Because I'm so just so everyone knows, like I'm not against taxes. I'm actually against government spending. I think I understand that our society cannot function if it doesn't have a revenue base to invest in things that we all benefit from. Mm-hmm. My biggest problem has always been government spending is misaligned with what I find valuable. Um, and what, and that's just my opinion, right? Of course, other people might think, oh, it's plenty good to accidentally send more than $6.2 billion over budget to another country fighting another country. I think that's good. You know, um, Everyone <laughs> you know, has I, their think, opinions, I think that's I guess. a bad idea. Like that's yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a bad idea. I think investing in our country is a, is a better use of money. Um, which by the way, that Philadelphia I-95 repair, like it was done in like three weeks and it's just so it's like. With like I don't focus. pay attention to Philadelphia repairs on their highways. Huge <laughs> highway collapsed. There was a truck okay. fire. 95 is the main corridor between yeah. uh, like Philadelphia, New York, Boston, and on. Mm-hmm. And it was fixed within three weeks. I know you've lived somewhere where a road project was going on for like years. Why was it fixed so quickly? Because <laughs> it's a major artery. It has to get fixed. Mm-hmm. Like it cannot, like the society, transportation, infrastructure cannot function without this pathway. Uh, well, then so good. It, it shows that weeks. we can still do things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of the things that I get hung up on are really um, about spending. So I am not against taxes, but I do think I am a better steward of my funds than the government is. Because if you're just going to give it back to me at the end of the year, you've created this chasm of time. You, you've you mm-hmm. withheld my money for 12 months, maybe longer. For what, for what purpose? And it, it, just to return it to me to be like, you've overpaid. So that to me doesn't make sense. I'd rather have the money today and I'd rather owe the government. It's just that I I didn't read up on it. I didn't for whatever. Cause I thought when I paid the withholding, mm-hmm. when I took the money out to buy real estate, that my real estate cost segre- like cost seg studies and stuff could go to towards that. And when I found out from the accountant that you can't actually do that and that's my fault, I didn't do the homework. I was short on cash. Mm-hmm. I'm not like desperate. I, I can do something to pay it, but it was a big slap in the face. Like, bam. <laughs> yeah, which is why I was like, we got to talk about it on here. This is a good story. <laughs> like, oh, which leads me, I mean, oh, all these things. Abba, you, gotta, you fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you have to let people learn through your misery sometimes, just like I do. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, yeah oh, which, Abba, you owe me big money. You cannot deduct <laughs> from this one. <laughs> That's my mom. Yep. <laughs> Channeling your mom right there. I love it. Yeah. Which yeah, brings me so. to my second lesson of this is like, when big things like this come on your plate, maybe in a very unexpected, abrupt way, uh, yeah, just stopping and pausing, which is what I, you know, how, what options do you have? 100%. There's always options. There's always th- like ways to figure out. There's money all around you. There's ways to pay it. Even if you're like, I don't have money. No, there's money all around you. You just got to figure out how to get it in your pocket or how to be able to like liquidate things or ask for help or whatever it might be. There's just a lot more options than I think 
people, including myself, can feel right away because it just feels stressful. Yeah. Um, so so here's I, I got to share. So here's how I forecasted out what I was going to do. I've already made my decision. Oh, yeah. What, what, what is your decision? What, what are you doing? That's a good uh, thing that we should. So talk about. I am going to pocket as much cash right now and not invest. Well, it's going to be pocketed in high yield savings account. Uh, I have one right now with Amex. Shout out to Amex. It's at 4%, which Amex of course is isn't five, but 1%. I mean, I can't, I'm not going to move everything just for 1%. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pocket as much cash as I can in my high yield savings account. That's from now until October 16th when this tax bill is due. Okay. I got you. I got you, IRS. So I am not going to cash out refi or do any of those things. I mean, I am actually going to sell stock. Um, so I forecasted on an 8% growth rate. If I were to take what would be my cash out refi payment, which is going to be 851. Mm-hmm. See, this is why you have to scenario model everything out. You have to know what your payments are going to be because I already got a statement from Rocket Mortgage. So, okay, 851 is what I would owe. Okay. So, off my rental property, I currently cash flow over $1,400. But let's say I took that 851 and invested it into something simple. I'm going to replenish the stocks that I'm going to sell for the purposes of paying this tax bill. And what I modeled out is at the end of um at the end of even 10 years i will be more than thirty thousand dollars ahead of cash out refining Mm, okay so there you have it there you have it i modeled it out i'm like i'm actually behind if i cash out refi because i'll owe so much because as you everyone knows who's got a a loan your first couple years really all of its interest no principal is paid so you'll still have even over to sell the property for example Mm-hmm. The equity of, I wouldn't have any equity in the in the place off the loan really. So, mm-hmm. it turns out that it's worth about eight thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's worth okay. about eight thousand dollars the first year, and it, and it keeps growing from there. Why don't you? What was the rate on Amex? I mean, I have Amex. I can't remember what the savings is on that. Would you say four percent? Okay. High yield what do you savings think about, account. Amex four percent. Yeah. What do you think about? Um, so I've been doing T-bills because you can do like a four-week T-bill right now for 5%, 5.1%. And it, you can just have it go in and out of your account at these four-week increments automatically. Just putting that on your radar. Yeah. I mean, that 1% won't make a huge difference though. Yeah. 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 So I, I kind of just try to keep everything like small. Simple. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to keep I, – I guess I could. I absolutely could. You're absolutely right. Hey, extra 1% here. Well, extra there, you never know. Okay. But what well, I'm more excited about is the rise of Bitcoin because it's been <laughs> popping lately. I hear it you. Has. Listen, I like all these um, national banks trying to start Bitcoin ETFs to make it more accessible to people who have um, or are interested in investing in Bitcoin. How mm-hmm. about your boy? I keep accumulating coins, sats. We already talked about this. Acc- yeah. Accumulating full biddies is, is tough now because they're, you know, 31,000 a piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But, but okay, don't you think it's a little bit suspicious how sus. the SEC, yeah, they come and they sue Coinbase and they're doing all this like stuff against crypto. And then next thing you know, all like 20 something banks file to have crypto ETFs while the prices are like at the at that point down. All of a sudden they're all like, oh yeah, let me get in here. You don't think that's a little suspicious? Of course I like it is. A, I don't think, I don't, I don't oh, do, do, of course it is. Do I, this is the problem is like, this is what, and it's not just the spending. The characters that are in our government can be purchased, bought, slated. Like we, mm-hmm. we don't have, and when this goes back to some of our other conversations, like we don't have men and women of principle that 
run this country and you and yeah. it is super hard because you'd have to have the country's best interest in place not your own so for example that uh you know aoc she put forth that bill that says hey political officials shouldn't hold stock i actually think that's legit like you cannot be you should not be yep. able to be swayed yep yep but, i mean there's yeah anyways i just saw that i was like oh that's weird yeah so there's two things i want you the to look at gary gensler oh geez um but he's Two not against Bitcoin. That, he's against the crypto industry. He's specifically against the exchanges for uh, mm-hmm. trading unregulated securities, which yeah, he is, might have a he's case. The, I don't know. Mm, yeah. um, okay. So to wrap this up, there's two things I want to say. First, there's someone I sent to you on Instagram. I think it's a really good follow for tax stuff because I really don't like tax stuff. And I really don't like many of these, you know, like diving deep into it. But this guy, is he his handles... Doherty Tax Solutions. It's like D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y yep. Tax Solutions. This guy is the one tax person I follow. And he's actually interesting because he kind of takes real life scenarios that people send in and he will break it down to like, what's the best choice? So he'll be like, you know, I had a client yesterday. His grandma bought a house in San Francisco in 1970 for 30,000. Now it's worth 3 million. They're asking if they should sell it or keep it in the family. And he'll like go through these exact scenarios. Um, so this guy, I think, is a really good follow for small business stuff, family taxes. Like, it just gives you these really interesting scenarios. He always talks about Roth IRAs versus traditional and, like, when to choose what. Um, so that's someone that, for anyone who's, like, I'm looking for scenario-based high-level tax advice or just, like, to think differently, I think he's a really interesting person to follow. Um, and then for a future episode, I want you and I to talk about, uh, I want to dive into a crypto called Cardano. <laughs> That I know about I'm it. really okay. I'm super bullish on it right now, but I, I know we need a whole other episode about it, and I can tell you why I'm bullish on it. That but, dude, Charlie, um, whatever, who runs it, yeah. Oh, yeah, Charles Hoskinen. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, so he's the one who like he co- helped start Ethereum. Um, and I mean, he's super contrarian on Twitter, like, people definitely are haters of him, and I think he's playing games at a different level that people don't even understand. And so, I want to talk about that on a future episode, but that's where. I wanted to plug that so you can prepare for our next session. Yeah, you and see, go look you into keep, it. You keep you keep trying to take me to places I don't think I, I have any clue where to go. <laughs> well, we'll find out. All I right, keep everyone. thinking myself like, yeah, listen, listen. I, I'm I'm more like a Nick Huber guy. Like I feel like I'm pretty smart. I'm very focused in the industries where people I don't think are very smart. In industries where people are very smart, where I know I don't belong, I don't try to play their game. I don't know what's going on. Well, we don't need to play their game, but we'll look into it. So. I don't even want to look into it. I'm scared. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) All right, everyone. It's not that I don't want to look into it, but I think I can win here. This is where I go. (laughs) All right. We will see you all on the next episode of Mission Daily. Let's go. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.